All right, um, here we go. Do you want to do the intro? Welcome <laughs> to Two Age Sojourner. Yeah, very good. All right. <laughs> Nick, all right, we are, where are we? We're on Technical Tuesday. Technical that, Tuesday, That's brilliant. where we are, and uh, you've got a technical issue that you want to talk about? Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought it'd be a lot of fun to speak about deaconesses in the church. Right. Can uh, women be deaconesses? Well, we don't believe in women, do we? I believe in women. Do you believe in women? I don't think they exist. <laughs> they definitely exist. <laughs> Aren't you a Reformed Baptist? I thought Reformed people don't believe in women. <laughs> you know, they don't believe in women and they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. That's the two things. Uh, <laughs> they don't believe in women in the church. All oh, yeah. right. Yeah, no. Uh, no, just kidding. Yeah, I mean, like the uh, Reformed thing is very uh, caricatured with this whole, um, you know, <clears throat> let's crunch down and uh, not allow a woman to do anything, 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 yeah. you know. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know. I've always... Look, I mean, my my church background is obviously very different to that uh, from the charismatic side. I, mean, I I get to see I got to see the other side of it there, and that you know, women got to do. Uh, there was total egalitarianism. Um, yeah. If anything, it was feminine. Uh, you know, it was an effeminate culture, um, and probably priority was given to to women preachers um, in some sense, especially when it came to the more intuitive spiritual prophetic you know yeah that was big in the charismatic church wasn't it it was huge yeah so it tended to be the woman yeah i mean the guys kind of tried but the women were the ones that really kind of got in there and so yeah i mean i got i got to the point where you know i got i got to see all the way down there and uh then coming into the reformed church um you know just quite a quite a massive difference in there swing yeah yeah and uh, so, yeah, we hit the debate hard, you know, on the, I mean, women, uh, with uh, male eldership, that was, um, it was a difficult thing for me to go through to begin with. Seems really stupid now. But, um, yeah. you know, just working through that issue, I, w- I, lo- I looked at it really hard. And um, I went back and forth for a while. And yeah, no, look, I think, I think there's no way to come out in any other direction than male, yeah. male eldership. But yeah, the question then was with women, with the diaconate, uh, what do we do with that? So what do you Yeah, well, I mean, I've I've got a similar journey to you. So um, just a unsafe background, and then coming into the church, starting off in the charismatic church, where the female preacher was a better preacher than the husband. Yeah. Um, then becoming reformed, starting off with MacArthur's different by design, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So uh, after my initial studies, and I wasn't in the ministry, so there wasn't much skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty happy with uh, only male elders and only male deacons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my view has changed in the last couple, maybe three years or so. Okay. Yeah, totally. Um, so what changed your mind primarily? Um, probably the Greek text more yeah. than anything. Um, so 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. Mm-hmm. Um, in our ESVs, it says, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. And the Greek is gynaikos, I think. Is that right? Yeah. So just woman. Yeah. So it's, there's no possessive. There's no there. There's no there. Yeah. It's just woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, well, the word can go either way. Um, and the, uh, in, in the Greek text, uh, it's a category of people that's introduced in the exact same way that the deacons are. 
Yes. Um, so they're a distinct group, <clears throat> and there's no possessive. Mm-hmm. And uh, the characteristics that are being compared with uh, the deacons are pretty much similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, you've got Phoebe, who's a servant of the church. That mm-hmm. text is not decisive. It's sort of a, a text that once you've made up your mind on other texts, yeah, can, yeah. can help. Totally. And then you've also got the widow's role in 1 Timothy 5, verse 9 and 10, mm-hmm. which mentions uh, widows who basically it looks like they get paid a salary for doing very godly things and service in the church. Mm. Um, and then as you look at church history, um, the first four to 500 years of the church, the deaconesses are everywhere. I think the first mention is yeah. uh, 117 in a letter by Pliny the Younger to Trajan, mm-hmm. where he talks about tor- torturing two servants in the church mm. that they, the church, called deaconesses. Mm. That's uh, like totally. a super early reference. Yes. Yeah, that's important. You know what got me? Um, it's definitely those things that you mentioned, uh, but added to that, I you know, it's so impressive the way that um, the, the, the flow of, of 1 Timothy 2 going on to 1 Timothy 3 works um, in that, you know, he's talking, Paul's <coughs> talking about, uh, he, you know, he doesn't allow a woman to teach, right? And, yes. then, um, and then straight after that, you know, you get 1 Timothy 3 and then the pre- prerequisites for um, elders and deacons. And, um, you know, there is this issue of teaching mentioned immediately, which, you, yes. you know, if you didn't have that chapter division would be just an obvious, oh, that that's the kind of teaching that women can't do. So so that, again, just kind of works to, to serve that you have this teaching office unique to the elders that w- women shouldn't be doing. Uh, and Paul gives the reasons, super controversial, relates back to creation, the whole deal. Um, yeah. and, then, um, and then you have this decided, I mean, this, you know, what are the differences? You know, according to Paul, um, between elders and deacons, the two offices, and you've got this whole governing and teaching thing that just stands out. So just on principle, in terms of the way that that thing works itself out, in terms of the flow of the argument, um, you know, women are not being restricted. They're not They're not in view in terms of anything that's being prohibited precisely because deacons aren't required to teach. And, yeah. um, and so there's that logic. But then the other thing is uh, that always got me, I found this very, very forceful, is um, <laughs> that you have... You have this whole um, parallel thing that he's. I mean, if you've ever graphed it out, like I remember just graphing that out, and, and you see the the he lists the qualifications of the elders, and then he lists the qualifications of the deacons, and um, you know he doesn't say that the elders need to have wives. You know, he doesn't talk about the elders' wives. Yeah. Um, but so then, I mean, you know what Calvin's view is there? What? So Calvin said that Paul interrupted himself halfway through the deacons' qualifications to talk about the elders and the deacons' wives. Yeah, now uh, totally, I know that actually. Now, yeah. now the thing is, you're either going to buy that or you're not. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's what it comes exactly. down to there. Um, and I don't know. I think that's stretching, man. You know, it, it, he's definitely not interrupting himself. He's uh, he's totally methodical in the way that he puts it out. It's almost it's almost exactly verbatim the same sort of qualification to highlight the distinctions between the two roles. And um, and so the thing, it's almost an inconceivable idea. Okay, so either he's um, interrupting himself or he is placing a higher standard on deacons than elders, which is just uh, uh, yeah. on the issue of wives particularly, which is just stupid. You know, no, that's clearly wives are not in view in either one of those uh, deals in the, in the way that um, uh, people want to want to understand that. So, yeah, I don't know. That was the thing. And then the final kind of, I suppose, background accumulative force thing was that Jesus, you know, his ministry 
his whole uh, the, the whole taboo issue of his ministry was that the, the place he allowed to woman um, in really the task of his earthly ministry, right? I mean, yeah. he was they had a diaconal role in every sense uh, as Jesus moved around with the apostles and and, uh, mm. and and constantly getting, I mean, he's the shock and awe factor was crazy for that reason. So it seems like, and, you know, even just the first eyewitness being a woman of, his, of the resurrection and stuff like that is just, it's not a dunk on its own, right? But it's it's just... The, the, it's, it's a different atmosphere. I yes. mean, I, I've, I've just preached through uh, starting Romans 16, uh-huh. which is considered the most boring chapter in Romans because of all the names. Right. But it, it is a great chapter just for insights into the nature of life and community in the early church. And mm-hmm. Paul mentions several women, and he talks about them as fellow workers, as hard workers, as yeah. spiritual mothers. Yeah. Um, and just the way in which he commends women and, is, and just sings their praises in this public commendation. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a diff, different sort of air to yeah. the air of the first century. Oh, in, in ways we can't even imagine, you know. Yeah, um, and I, just the fact that at the communion meal you'd have men and women sitting down together, dude, totally. and having a meal, Jews and and Gentiles, slaves and free. It was there was a radical social thing going on. Oh in the man, revolutionary! And women were a part of it. Yeah. So, you know, we that's lost on us sometimes because we, you know, we, we don't understand that women weren't even allowed to testify in a court of law. And, you know, we don't even think in those terms. So when we see the, the activity with women in the New Testament or with Jesus' own ministry, we don't we don't get hit with that that factor. Yeah. Like, I think it would be more obvious to us that well, something is different about the way Jesus is approaching the subject. In fact, so much so that I would almost like on that trajectory alone get well obviously women are preaching then as well you know um but except that you get that restriction uh, very clearly laid out later on and so you know i'm sort of taking my cues from from uh, the way paul maps it up but but yeah, yeah i mean like it's so forceful that to especially when it comes to the diaconal role which yeah it's just all over the place and like you say the early church just filled with it so um yeah no it's it's forceful now another thing though that you mentioned earlier um before we started recording which um, I think is a huge point, is that we live in New Zealand. Yep, the first country to give women the vote. Right. And so, I mean, here's what I think is is kind of, uh, you know, at, at one level, context is never going to determine the truth. Um, no. But if there is something that, uh, let's say on, uh, you know, there is enough of a pushback. Let's, let's, let's give as much charity to this situation as possible. Uh, I would say that anyone honestly engaging on with this issue in the text, just the text alone, must concede that there. I mean, it, there are there's a lot of gray area, you know, and um, there is certainly enough pushback to what has the, the conservative position that no deacons are allowed, uh, no women deacons are allowed, um, to to get them to to not be so dogmatic on it, right? I think at yeah. very minimum, at very minimum. I mean, obviously, I would say there's more than that. Well, I mean, just to encourage, just to add on to what you're saying there, yeah. I think it's it's the nature of the case that whenever there is a real conflict, <clears throat> when uh, heresy has always improved our understanding of the truth because it's forced us to go back to the text, mm-hmm. forced us to uh, deal with the text honestly. And whenever there's skin in the game, so when when we're about to be ostracized for being chauvinists, mm-hmm. when, when the women are voting, when the women are in leadership positions in society, and now we are the persecuted minority, there's skin in the game. Mm-hmm. And that does, that does bring a greater sense of honesty. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. Um, yeah. I really think it does. No, yeah. that, that in one sense, we are being shaped by the context, but it's, it's being shaped in the sense that we're being forced to be a lot more honest because we can't just sit in our armchairs and, and, and give easy answers. Mm. We need to make sure that the answers that we're giving are, because otherwise what, what it comes down to is Pharisaism. We're, we're yeah. putting burdens on God's people that he's not requiring of them. Mm, totally. And so we're just actually forced to look into the situation more carefully to ensure that we're not heaping um, matters related to sex and sexism that the Bible's not requiring of us. Oh, Otherwise, totally. it becomes legalism. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Uh, same thing with you know, as science has has um, grown in its understanding. We've had to become churches had to grow in its care for what we're saying. The Bible is saying, uh, yeah. you Bender, know, it, the whole homosexuality thing. Exactly right. Yeah. So you know, all of these things. Obviously, the danger exists in all of those examples <laughs> that we've just mentioned that we could uh, not want to face any opposition in the culture and therefore uh, kind of. You know, just just give too much ground away, or, or just um, you know be disingenuous with the passage or text, or uh, just to try and not get any uh, you know any um, what is the word any blowback for our position. Um, but but yeah, I mean you know with that in mind, as you say, there's always this 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 uh, positive side to the context forcing you to look at it carefully. So yeah, I think that's happened totally. And um, mm. and yeah, I mean, look, in New Zealand, you'd be a fool not to look at it very, very carefully, you know? Um, yeah. to, it's, and look, I mean, just the modern wave of Calvinists. So let's think of some of the names. John MacArthur supports deaconesses. Right. Mark Diva supports deaconesses. There we go. John Piper supports deaconesses. Uh-huh. Tim Keller supports deaconesses. Who's he? Doug, Doug Moo <laughs> supports deaconesses. Tom right. Schreiner supports deaconesses. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got a you got a fair bit of yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. even even John Calvin, although he restricted deaconesses to the widow class. Yeah, what wanted. do you think about that view? Because that's often the little um, <laughs> the view that so, yeah, I, mean, I do just believe. The re- so in the research I've done, now, let me let me lay it out there for you. Uh-huh. So I'm quoting from Brian Schwerkley. Oh. Who, who does major research on anything that he does. But what's what's funny is the denomination he belongs to. I think it's the Reformed Presbyterian Church of North America or something like that. Is that Rosaria Butterfield's in that one, right? That's the one, yeah. yeah. So they have had deaconesses since 1888. They have? Yeah. You're joking. No. I did and so not what, see that one coming. One of the first things he says is, look, the slippery slope argument's not going to work. We've, been, we've had deaconesses for over 100 years and we haven't. Uh, endorse uh, female uh, elders yet. No kidding. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, very valuable stuff. But uh, what he does is he, he basically takes Calvin's view and Calvin uh-huh. limited the um, the role of deaconessing to the older woman in the church, the widows. Yes. And what Twerkley does is he takes the early mm-hmm. years of the church and he shows you the development. So um, <clears throat> obviously you have the priestly caste as opposed to clergy and versus the laity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what, you know, you had deacons and deaconesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the deaconesses were necessary because when babies were born, men shouldn't have been in the room. Unbelievers would have thought that was blasphemous. Um, it was to be above reproach. Mm-hmm. They also had the weird practice of baptizing people naked <laughs> so that it represented a new birth. So only women should baptize women. Right. Um, so you need deaconesses for visitation of the sick, visitation of women, baptizing mm-hmm. of women. So deaconesses played a very important role. Yeah. However, they split the deaconesses. From the deacons, and so in the early church, the deaconesses were exclusively from the wid- from the widow ranks, mm-hmm. um, and it was only by the year four fifty one at the Council of Chalcedon that they lowered the age from sixty to forty, and then that that those those orders of women became the basis for nuns mm. and the monastic orders. Right, right. 
So that's that's where nuns come from. They come from the early practice of deaconessing. Mm. And so what Schwertley uh, argues is looking at the early church is that there was a distinction between men and women. <clears throat> so yes, Paul is talking about deacons and deaconesses, but the woman is only a reference to the widows because in the early church we see that the male deacons were allowed to read scripture, hand out communion, and preach, mm. whereas deaconesses were always considered part of the laity. Mm. But that's, I think that's, you know, because it all comes down to an exegetical choice. Yeah. Do we limit 1 Timothy 3.11 mm-hmm. to 1 Timothy 5 verse 9 and 10, or do we add 1 Timothy 5 verse 9 and 10, the widows, mm-hmm. as to a broader right. category of women that 1 Timothy 3 verse 11 is talking about? Yeah. And that's the view that I take. I think you've got no exegetical grounds to limit 1 Timothy 3.11 to the widows alone. Mm, yeah, yeah, totally. I agree. I agree. Yeah, again, probably it was a lot of their context kind of coming into it as well, just the, the force of the context and culture. I don't know. But um, yeah, no, totally exegetically, I think I think, um, I think, think we got it. Um, the thing is also, you know, if you don't do the exegetical work, like here's the thing is, to, I mean, you're going to, it's not just that you're going to, I mean, for, for New Zealand, you're going to actually put a stumbling block in the way of the gospel if you get this thing wrong and unnecessarily which is a crazy thing that I've, it's just been driven home to me again and again, maybe more so in Wellington than other parts in New Zealand. I'm not sure, but, but the idea of <laughs> complementarianism is such a hurdle, you know, for most people yeah. that if it's not true, um, I, you know, if complementarianism isn't true, I think we're in trouble for doing it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I'm a, a complementarian, but I would uh, obviously you've got the difference between a broad and a narrow complementarian. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. No. And, and I, I think I'm as soft as you would get on complementarianism. You know, I'm not. I'm not a hard complementarianism. I'm not like a full on uh, one of those crazy dudes. But but at the same time, you know, if we just if actually let's just say woman not in eldership, you know, that's basically what I, what my complementarianism comes down to. Um, yeah. And even just that point. Uh, yeah. I feel, I feel the weight of that. Like if, as someone who's, you know, ministering the gospel, who wants to reach people with the gospel, who's planted a church in Wellington, I will put something in the way of the gospel if that is wrong. But if it's right, it's right. And we just stick with, it, stick with our guns, you know? And but, I think it is. I mean, it's right. Male headship in the home and in the church. Yeah. And, it, right. um, it's a, it's a creation pattern and ordinance and you know when we do as we are made to do we'll find blessing in it totally celebrating different uh, but equal and uh, helping women to understand womanhood is something distinct from manhood Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah that there's great blessing to be had in it there is and even if there isn't even if there's a persecution at least that comes from it so be it but here's the here's the thing if we add to that on the deacon thing you know when it isn't there I don't know. You know, it's like we're taking an already very, very difficult situation, not being careful with it. You know, even like I would, I think if it, even if I fell on the other side, I think this is, the situation is so um, important that even if I came down on the other side of the debate on the deaconesses, and um, I think there's enough of a pushback for me from from, you know, the opposing debating side that I would go, okay, so here's my personal preference on this, but I'm just going to work with, with uh, the, you know, the view that, that um, uh, most allows the gospel to take root in the culture, I think. I think there's that much leeway probably in that debate. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I'm, I sometimes just scratch my head when I, when I see people just, just going headlong into the whole, 
you know, um, male only deacon thing. Um, and it usually comes through in other areas of the yeah, theology. Yeah, it is not a hill to die on. And um, I think there are some great safety measures which can help us towards this. The one is a very clear distinction between the office of elder and deacon. Yeah. No authority and no teaching. See, now that's um, another big point right there. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes it very safe for a woman to be involved because it's a glorified serving role. It's a person who's proved themselves and they've, they've you know, we, we're now granting them a formalized, recognized, greater sense of responsibilities that has nothing to do with elder type authority and um, or teaching responsibilities. Yeah. Um, and I think here's this is where um, the Baptist ecclesiology is slightly different to the Reformed and Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. In the Reformed and Presbyterian churches, you ordain a deacon. And yep. in, you'll know the ordination ceremony has a vow mm-hmm. where uh, you, you ask the congregation, will you submit to this deacon? And the congregation answers, we will. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Baptist, well, at least my understanding of it is we're not ordaining deacons. We're laying hands on them in the sense that we're commissioning them, but we're not ordaining them in, in the sense that we're demanding vows of submission from the congregation. So I think we, we dodge a problem that doesn't need to be a problem, which the Reformed and Presbyterians often haggle over, because for them it all comes down to uh, the, the vow thing, you know, and submitting to the vow. So one of the things Timoth- Timothy Keller's done is he said, we have deaconesses, but we don't ordain them. <laughs> wow. So we totally ordain deacon, deaconesses and deacons. Yeah. But do you, do you have like the, the, do you borrow from the Trinity hymnal where you actually <laughs> no. get the congregation to say, I will submit? Um, no, we don't. <laughs> we yeah, don't do so that for elders. You, yeah. don't, you, don't, you don't do the, uh, the, the, the denominationally approved ordination uh, service. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, involves I suppose... the vow of submission. Okay, but yeah, I suppose the thing is for us, I mean, the, the deacon is the other officer of the church. So, I mean, I, yeah. I, I would have a tough you, time. I mean, elders get ordained. Totally. Well, that, it's, it's just, it's, uh, maybe it's a distinction without a difference, but it's, I think it's mm. important to distinguish what elders are as pa- and what pastors are as elders mm. from what just your regular workers in the church are and your glorified servants are. I think there is a distinct role really? that elders have. And so... For the sake of distinguishing it, I would. Yeah. Well, in, interesting. I, I haven't heard that angle before. Yeah, I'd like to come back to that one. But, um, the, the, you know, just um, you were saying earlier, uh, what was it? You know, you have the functional reality of um, the deacon and the functional reality of the of the elder. And let's leave aside the, the ordination kind of deal and everything. Um, yeah. You know, and, and a lot of the problem is that people hear all this stuff and they're actually interpreting it through the lens of the General Baptist Union where, like, the, the deacons are really the functional elders of the church. The executive uh, committee, yeah. yeah the, and the, the pastors, the chairman. And, it's yeah. just, it turns into custard there because now all of a sudden you, you're sort of saying things that, that are constantly being inferred in different ways. Like, oh, are we saying that women should, you know, basically lead the church? And of course, we're not saying that when they should be deacons. And, and so, yeah, it's almost like the, the whole office of deacon needs to, you know, a, a long time needs to be... Um, I think you said earlier, you're just going to make sure you define the role. And that's, that's so crucial. Um, Especially again, just especially in New Zealand, because I mean, wow, it's just turned to pragmatic craziness, you know? And so when people hear this stuff, they're going to be hearing it through their own lens. And um, it it just is super important that one way or another, you know, uh, we're saying what we're saying um, in such a way that people understand where the problem lies. Um, but yeah, it's mm. a lot of cool topics as well. Like, you know, what always 
gets me the whole um, woman prophetess thing in the New Testament um, and how that works itself out. That's another podcast, though. uh but yeah totally cool man uh that was good how long uh, we're like surely about 30 minutes there aren't we yeah about all right that's good let's call it a day on that one technical tuesday folks Uh, um the thing now nick is that we don't have smoking saturdays and um good bro christians shouldn't smoke it's so bad for the temple no what we're saying is that we should smoke every day now <laughs> We're saying that you know, every single day, go make yourself a cup of coffee and pull out your pipe. So, when they legalize yeah. marijuana, is it going to be marijuana Mondays? Ooh, that's another one we should do. You're all into the marijuana <laughs> thing right now. We should totally do that. So, remind me at some point, what, what would that be? We don't have a smoking Saturday for that anymore. That would probably be like a what? A technical? Nah, theology. What would it be? It would be a whatever Wednesday. That's what yeah. that would be. Cultural, contextual. It might be Philosophical eth- Friday. Ethical, ethical, ethics and philosophy go together. Totally. And especially if we smoke marijuana, it'll get philosoph- philosophical really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> that was a joke. All right, whatever. See why Nick won't allow me to come preach at his church. Yeah. You worried I say stuff like that here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, thanks for joining us, bro. Cheers, bro. Mm-hmm.